Hello and welcome to the Donmar Warehouse podcast. My name is Thomas Bailey, I'm the Resident Assistant Director and I'm currently assisting Michael Longhurst on Europe by David Gregg, which is Michael's first production as Artistic Director. As part of our rehearsal process, we've invited experts to come into the room and help us understand the text and the characters within it. In Europe, two characters are refugees from the Bosnian War, which was at its height when Europe was written in the early 1990s. We heard first from Jeremy Bowen, who is now BBC Middle East editor, but who was a war correspondent throughout the conflicts in the former Yugoslavia. You're about to hear a 10-minute extract from that session with Jeremy. We felt, really, this was our war in a way. This was about things that we believed in. Um, Well, one or two of the sides there stood for things we believed in, and some of them stood for things we absolutely hated. Uh, but Sarajevo was one of the places that was at the centre of it. It was besieged from 92 to 95. Um, and it had been a multicultural society, Sarajevo. Uh, Serbs, Croats, Muslims, and they ge- it genuinely was. And there was quite a lot of uh, intermarriage. Um, and Muslims were, some were religious, most were pretty secular, to be honest. If you go back there now, and I've been back a couple of times, it's way more religious. It's interesting how it's changed. Um, uh, So it broke up. You know, it's a long story, and I won't go into all the details, but it broke up really because of the force of of the use and abuse of nationalism. You know, Yugoslavia was a country which, you know, made up of different, well, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia of which Kosovo was a part, and Macedonia, all of which are now independent countries, except Kosovo, which is kind of semi-independent. And it was held together by, if you like, the force of the personality of the wartime leader, Tito. Then after he died, things started to fall apart. And led by the Serbian leader, who was called Slobodan Milosevic, uh, Nationalism was something that the leaders used to motivate the people, to divide them, to to rally them behind what they believed in and what those leaders believed in in all of the countries, pretty much. Slovenia was a bit different. It hived off very quickly. It was in the north. It's near Austria. It was way more. It joined the EU quite quickly. But the others, you know, they had about a three-day war in Slovenia. You just couldn't get there in time. Um, but there were long and bitter wars in the other places and the bitterness continues they're not killing each other anymore but if you go to a place called like Mostar which is uh, the second city of Bosnia-Herzegovina the different communities are absolutely live separately and they don't go to the same bars in the evenings if they do if young people go to the same bars in the evenings there are punch-ups so let, let, let me switch back to 92, 93, 94 and how it was. Um, we journalists would uh, fly in to, uh, to Bosnia on the UN airlift most of the time. Some of the time there was a, there was a big mountain dominating Sarajevo called Igman and we would uh, sometimes drive over that mountain in a, our armoured Land Rovers which was a bit scary because there were lots of angry men with guns who we'd try and do it either first thing in the morning, normally if we could do it first thing in the morning or some time when they might be a bit drunk and not worried about what we, <laughs> about our presence. You know, I remember sometimes going over the mountain 
and it was so dark and there was a narrow mountain road. I mean, it was a track and you could fall off and, um, and if you fell off, you'd die because, you know, it was quite a way down. Um, so I remember getting out and wearing my flat jacket and walking ahead of the, of the Land Rover. People said, that might be mines. I said, well, yeah, but we've got to get down there. We can't stay on the middle of the mountain all night. <laughs> so we get, we get down there. Um, Sarajevo was divided. There was a front line running through the middle of it. We, we lived in a hotel, uh, the Holiday Inn, which was very near the front line. It would often get hit. The front of the hotel, you, you couldn't stay in. Uh, the first time I, I stayed there in 92, I didn't realize this. And I walked up the stairs. No, in fact, the lifts were still working. It was, it was early in the war. They still had electricity. And, uh, and I got out of the lift and phew, a bullet hit the, um, you know, because the light came from the lift doors opening. And so there was a sniper on the other side of the front line who shot into the, um, the sort of the door frame of the, of the lift. And I never used, I always used the stairs at the back after that. Because um, it was my first night, no one had told me. <laughs> Don't use the lift, someone might kill you. And you couldn't go out the main door because there was, a, again, there was a sniper. Um, so that's where we stayed. It was the only functioning place. There was uh, quite, of, quite often there was water and quite often there was electricity. There wasn't always. And you could buy wine and other important staples from the management who had bought it generally on the black market from the French UN troops, from the Foreign Legion who have a, the French Foreign Legion have a, um, a ration of half a bottle of wine per man per day. But they would also sell the surplus, which we would buy, and it was good wine, actually, uh, that the Legion would, uh, would drink. Anyway, talk about the people, because I know that's what your play's about. People were nostalgic for Tito's Yugoslavia, for former Yugoslavia. You know, it was a communist state, but it sort of worked. And people, you know, a lot of people didn't have much cash, but it's amazing the number of people who say had a house in the mountains or a house at the beach. They talk about their vacation houses. I haven't got a vacation house. Um, and they would, uh, you know, you'd say, oh, yes, the, you went through the forest. Did you see our house maybe? Oh, our house. We, we love it so much. We haven't seen it for two years. And there were all these burnt out wrecks. And so probably when they went back after the war, it was a place, too, where they were still very proud of the fact that they'd had the Olympic Winter Olympics there in uh, 19... Nineteen ninety, maybe or eighty-eight. I can't remember when and Dean for Britain won the ice dancing gold medal, um, and so there was a lot of shock about what had happened. And I'd ask a lot of people, you know, tell me about your communities and how come you're killing each other now? And they'd all say, they'd all say, oh, we used to get on really well. You know, we'd come to each other's weddings and birthdays and special days and each other's festivals. We'd always entertain them. They'd come from the next village or from down the road because some of these villages were mixed. And, but then they turned on each other. And, the, and whatever was the strongest side in the village would come out on top. And then at the beginning of the war, there was a lot of killing, a lot of ethnic cleansing. People were being kicked out. You know, you're burning down the house of your neighbor who you've known your whole life. Some sort of madness hit them, and I think it was because the the, 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 the you know the siren voices of nationalism had uh, convinced them that if they didn't, and their, their leaders convinced them if they didn't move first, they'd be killed. They were convinced the other side would kill them if they didn't do what they had to do. 
And after a while, people get an appetite for that kind of thing. I think for killing, they feel, feel it less. Um, so people were, you know, they still look back on that period of Yugoslavia in the, in the 70s and 80s when, you know, it was the one part of communist Europe that seemed to be working because it was only half communist in many ways. They'd allowed quite a lot of free enterprise uh, and people could move around. There's a lot more freedom than there would have been in a place like Romania, you know, or East Germany. Um, but, and it can't, just more widely, the last thing I'd say is that for... Um, people of, of my generation, certainly seeing the Berlin Wall come down was the most incredible thing. I mean, it was incredible, you remember it? I mean, it was, you know, growing up in a Europe that was divided down the middle by the Iron Curtain and with the, the thought that there could be a nuclear war in which we'd be fried, uh, which was, well, never happened, but, you know, it's the thing which plenty of people talked about. And, uh, and it was always in the background. And so I, rem I was actually working in the States at the time, but I remember turning on the TV and seeing the news and seeing people dancing on the top of the Berlin Wall. It was still the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And, uh, and what happened elsewhere in Europe and in Yugoslavia, in a way, came from the same forces. Uh, people wanting a change and the Soviet, former Soviet empire more or less collapsing in on itself because when it came to it, people just pushed like that and these mighty regimes just fell. That was Jeremy Bowen talking to the Cast of Europe, which begins previews at the Donmar Warehouse on the 20th of June 2019. You can get tickets now at donmarwarehouse.com.